0: My favorite story out of the whole Bible is the story of Joseph. And uh, I want to preach a series of sermons on him and how it relates to us. And, and more importantly, how it relates to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But uh, Starting in uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. And it says here, the word of God says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. He made him a coat of many colors. So I want to preach this morning on Joseph, and Joseph as a teenager... Now Joseph is the greatest type of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Bible. And what I mean by type is that his life mirrors, mirrors the life of Jesus Christ in so many particulars, it, it's incredible. You, you, every time I study it, it seems like I find a new one. And uh, there's men, men that have found over a hundred of these where, G, where Jesus Christ and Joseph's stories are so much alike. It's just uh, it, it, the story of Joseph is a prophecy really is a prophecy of Jesus Christ what's going to happen to him almost 2000 years 1700 years later when Jesus Christ is born of a virgin and walks on the earth a lot of things that happens to Jesus Christ happens to Joseph and Joseph is the greatest type. now the name Joseph the name Joseph means adding now names in the Bible mean something in the Bible the, the names mean something and Joseph means adding adding, adding. Like you're adding something. Joseph means adding. Like you're counting something up, you're adding. But you're adding two. And his mom named him Joseph because he was adding to The rest of the flock of children. There were, there were ten of them. And Joseph is the eleventh. And then Benjamin's going to be the twelfth. The twelve tribes of Israel. He's the eleventh one. And she, he was the first one that was born of his mother. And she was a gift from God. And she called his name, his name Joseph. It means adding. Now Jesus Christ, his whole job walking on this earth is to add people to the kingdom. His whole job was to add people to the kingdom. Now, when you study and read the book of Genesis, you're going to see these, this lineage pop up. And of course, it starts all the way back with Adam, this lineage of, of godly men that God is following and telling the stories of. It's, and there's, uh, up to here, it's seven. It's Adam, and, and then Abel comes along, and then Abraham comes from there, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, which was mentioned there in verse one. And then finally, we have Joseph. You have Adam, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph would be the seventh one. What's interesting about that is, here's Joseph way off in Genesis chapter 37, but the Bible, the book, excuse me, the book of Genesis is going to talk more about Joseph and tell more of his story than any of these other characters, including Abraham or Adam. There's not really a whole lot said about Adam, but a lot of the religions, uh, if if you're a a Christian, you know about uh, Abraham, If you're a Jew, of course, you uh, trace your uh, religion, you trace your lineage back to Abraham. If you're um, an Islam or a Muslim, you trace your lineage back to Abraham through Ishmael. So Abraham's a main focus of so many different religions, but God doesn't talk a lot about him as compared to Joseph. Which I, I found that really, really interesting. One of the main stories, one of the main things you as a Christian are going to get out of the story of Joseph is a great truth that a lot of young Christians don't get is that the Christian life is a life of suffering. And suffering always comes before glory. No matter what the TV tells you, no matter what the world tells you, no matter what musicians or Hollywood stars tell you, suffering comes before glory. You don't get your glory first. You get the suffering, and the suffering comes before glory. All the great men in the Bible suffered in some way or another. David, one of the greatest men in the whole Bible, uh, Jesus Christ's great-great-granddad, David, the King David, he suffered so much through his, uh, when he was under Saul, as King Saul was uh, trying to kill him, and he ran from Saul. Suffering comes before glory, and as Christians, we need to keep that in mind. And Joseph is going to teach us that great important truth that We get sufferings before glory. And as this world goes on, and some of us have suffered through most of our life, as Christians, we exceed Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and uh, it's not a bed of roses, amen? We still have the same ailments. We still get the same diseases. We still get the same uh, heartaches. We still get the same family problems, financial problems. Everybody, A Christian deals with the same thing. But our end is totally different. Our glo- our end, we're going to end in glory. We're going to end with the glory. and that's what we, But we go through these sufferings. It's a sad thing to suffer through this world. So, and this world is a suffering place. To suffer through this world and then at the end, not get to go to heaven and go to a devil's hell because you wouldn't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That would be a, be a sad story to tell. So let's start back up at verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock. Now Joseph was a teenager at this time. And Joseph as a teenager, he's feeding the flock. The first great type of our Lord and Savior shows up here as Joseph is a shepherd. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He is called the Good Shepherd he was a shepherd just like Joseph. He was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of Bilhad and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So Joseph evidently was trying to live a life that was godly, trying to live a life that pleased his father, but his brothers weren't. His brothers weren't. His brothers were, uh, were trying to uh, evidently were living an evil life and he was giving an evil report back to his dad and what that shows you is, is that Joseph is not like a lot of teenagers. And what I mean by that, even, as, even when I was a teenager, it's very easy as a teenager to be influenced by peer pressure, to be influenced by what other people are doing, how other people are dressing, how other people are talking, what other music people are listening to, and the lifestyle that other people, you, as a teenager, you're influenced by, especially an older brother, especially an, an uncle or, or somebody you really look up to, they can really be a big influence on your life. But not so with Joseph. Joseph looked at him, and with Joseph, knowing how God the Father expected him, and knowing what his father Jacob expected out of him, knew that they were living an evil life. And he came back, and he gave an evil, an evil report. You've got to understand Joseph's, uh, Joseph's way of thinking. Joseph only knows Jacob as Israel. And what I mean by that is, Joseph is looking at his dad and his dad is a his dad is a dad that's been changed. Joseph, I mean excuse me, Jacob lived this life. He was a conniver. He connived to get the blessing from his dad. Jacob was running from his brother Esau. Jacob was a conniver and had all kinds of things going on in his life. And his sons were being born. And they're watching his dad cheat out Laban out of the cattle and do all kinds of weird things like that. But when Jacob had to go back and God sent him back, Jacob got right with God. And what I mean by that is when Jacob was going back, he knows I'm about to meet this brother Esau that I really messed over. And Esau's going to try to kill me. So what does Jacob do, the big man, the strong man, the man of God? What does Jacob do? He sends all the women in front of him. (laughs) But he makes sure his favorite wife, he sends her at the last with him. He sends all the other, that way they come in front of Esau, to Esau first. And he sends everybody in front of him. He's out the back, and he sends all these gifts, and he sends all this cattle, and he's saying, well, maybe my brother Esau, he'll get all this stuff, and he'll be in a good mood when he finally gets to me. Well, the last thing he did is he sent them over. He stayed up on a mountain, and God showed up in the form of an angel. And Jacob and that angel started wrestling. And that angel tried to get away, and Jacob's wrestling with this, with this angel. And it later on says, it's God. That's Jesus Christ, theophany, before he, was in, uh, before he was born. And he's wrestling with this angel. And when he's wrestling with that angel, the angel touches his hip, and it throws his hip out. But the angel blesses him, and God blesses him right there, and changes his name from Jacob to Israel. To this day, they're known as Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel. So Joseph was born around that time. So Joseph sees his dad, not like his brothers seen him. His dad was being a bad example to his sons. To the rest of of Joseph's uh, brothers, he was being a bad example. But to Joseph, he only seen Jacob as a changed man, a man who had wrestled with God and had his name changed. So he sees a holy man, he sees a dad that's a good Christian man. We'd say a good Christian. Today we'd say there's a good Christian man that loves God and tries to attend church and tries to do those things that God would want him to do. And guys, that's one of the sad things about being a, a, a Christian man is when, you're, when you get saved and you have kids, you start thinking about all the bad examples you give your kids when they were younger. You didn't raise them in church, or you, just, you didn't talk about God, or maybe, uh, God forbid, you would tell them, oh, there is no God. You know? And then when you get saved, you're trying to spend the rest of your life straightening things out that you had made a mess of when you were younger with your kids. So these, 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 these brothers had a bad example, and they were living an evil life, but Joseph, he's seen his dad in a different light. And I prayed to the Lord that uh, our kids can see us in the light of a Christian mom or dad. I pray, the Lord, that my, my son can see me in the light of a Christian dad. And as soon as my son tries to get away from his Christian heritage and he tries, to, you know, tries not to go to church and tries to do that, somebody will come up and say, well, I've seen your dad's preaching a funeral, and he just gets it right in his face all the time. I know, because he tells me this stuff. <laughs> and I like that. I want it to be rubbed in his face. I want him never to forget his Christian background, his, that he is a Christian. He needs to be serving the Lord. But look at verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Now Joseph was born of the wife that, he, that uh, Jacob loved and it was, she was older and Jacob was older so it was a, it's like a grandkid and that's what scares me to death is when I see how the, y'all people treat your grandkids. And I had a saying I used to say all the time is that the only perfect man is a mother's son. And what I mean by that is, is you, you run into a mother, she never has anything bad to her. Her son could be a murderer, a thief, be thrown in prison. Oh, he's a good guy. I like my, just love him to death and everything. The only perfect man is, is a mother's son. But that's double the whammy when it's a grandson. And it's scary to see how, uh, how they're doted, they're loved on, and that's exactly what, Israel, what Jacob, Israel's doing to Joseph. He loves Joseph. Now how is all this a type of Jesus Christ? Well, in, uh, back in verse 2, at the end of verse 2, see that word evil report? Joseph brought an evil report. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did when he came into the world. Jesus Christ said in John 7, 7, The world cannot hate you, but it, me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Jesus came down to give an evil report back to the father, just like Joseph gave an evil report back to his father of the, of the world. And there in verse 3 it said that Israel loved Joseph. And we know that the father, God the father, loves the son, Jesus Christ. He goes so far as to say that the Bible says there was a voice come down from heaven and God, God the father said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased. My beloved son. So Jesus Christ is loved above everything else in the Father. And Jesus Christ is so loved by the Father that He's given every kind of authority and all judgment has been given to the Son, Jesus Christ. So Joseph is being loved by Jacob like God the Father loves Jesus Christ. And it says there that of his old age at the end of verse 3, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now Joseph was loved more than any of his other brothers and he was given this coat. Now this coat... Well, it was not given to any of the other brothers. It was only given to Joseph. And they're not going to like that, obviously. Right? Y'all, y'all have siblings. Y'all know they don't go well. When, you, give, when you, you take one sibling, you promote them above the others. Especially the youngest one. And he takes the youngest one, the one he loves, the one he's doting over, and he goes, Joseph, I made you this coat. It's a coat of many colors. It had all these color stripes in there. And he placed it on, on, on Joseph in front of all the brothers. You know the br- brothers are very, very envious of this. This coat, according to the Bible, I'm gonna tell you these verses. If you want to write them down, you can write them down. Judges 5, Judges chapter 5, verse 30, and 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 18. Judges chapter 5, verse 30, and 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 18. They talk about this, these coats of many colors, and these coats of many colors, they're a coat, the, the Bible tells us this coat it meant it was a coat of honor, and it was a coat of distinction. Obviously, you give this, and when somebody was walking around with this coat of many colors, anybody who's seen him says, that's a coat of distinction. It distinguished you as somebody being important, and it was a coat of honor. You were given it because you were honored by somebody. Of course, this being the father honoring the son. But it was also a coat for unmarried sons and daughters. Only virgins were given this coat. Only virgins were given this coat. That's found in 2 Samuel 13. But this coat was only given to unmarried sons and daughters and it also was given to sons of a king and daughters of a king. You see where I'm going with all this? Guys, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's so much that happens in your life. You're never going to be the same. Your your family relationship with God. If you're standing here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is not your father. He's your judge. And when you go to meet Him, you will meet Him after you pass away. You'll meet Him standing before a God that's going to judge you for all your sins. That should scare you. It would scare me. But once you receive and take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and get down and say, I, will, I take Jesus Christ, my Lord, save, save, you, save me, Lord. He's going to save you. And at that moment, the Bible says you're born again. That means that you had your first birth through your dad and mom and you had that first birth and now you have a second spiritual birth called being born again and now you're born into the family of God according to the Bible and now you're a son of God and now God is no longer your judge, God's your father. That's an incredible relationship that changes in your life. What what do you mean, Brother Keith? What I mean by that is, is that God as a judge can only show justice. And if you stand before God knowing a sinner that you are, knowing He knows everything you've ever done, and you stand before God and He can only be a God of justice, boy, He's going to drop a gavel and it's not going to be pretty. You're going to get what's coming to you. And if you're any kind of wise person, you'll know, I don't want what's coming to me. But inside Jesus Christ, you become a son of God, and now when God's your Father, born again, you're part of the family of God, now God sees you, as a son. And what can a father do for you that a judge can never do for you? A father can show grace. Just like I talked about y'all with y'all's grandkids. Y'all put up with some of the stuff y'all... Y'all put up with stuff off your grandkids? You would never put up with anybody else. <laughs> y'all, I guarantee... I, I promise you... You, I bet you there's people be in Walmart and everything and see other people's kids run around there acting like wild heathens and banshees and ha ah! like, If that was my kid, I'd pull my belt off and whip them. And then I could go into the. I go in two days later and you being there with your grandkid, your grandkid would be acting the same way as I. Come on, darling. Come on, darling. Come on, darling. Don't make me say. Don't make me ask you five hundred times. You know, and you were just two days ago saying you're gonna whip your belt off and, man. It's different when it's your child, isn't it? And I've had so many people say, you know, when I talk to them about, because everybody has family problems. Don't fool yourself. Everybody has problems, family problems. And I have people talk to me, and and they talk about their family problems. They talk about stuff going on with their kids. And I actually, this comes out of their mouth. If my kid ever did that, if my kid ever did that, I'll tell you what I would do. No, you know what you'd do? The same exact thing that they're doing. It's different when it's your kid. Do you see where I'm going with this? So when God the Father has you as a son, He's going to show you grace. He's going to put up with a lot of your foolishness because He loves you like a father. And praise the Lord for that. And whenever you're born again, you get this coat. The Bible describes it as a robe, and I'm going to describe it as a coat. It's a coat of many colors, and as you walk around there's this coat of many colors in the world, it's a spiritual cult that we can't see, but in the spiritual realm you could see it. The devil's the unclean spirit. The devil himself, the unclean spirits in this world, they can see that thing, and it's just shining bright. It's, they, that's one of them. The unclean spirits in the world, the ones that behind the scenes, they point at it and said, that's one of them. That's one of God's right there. He's a son or, a, or she's a daughter of a king. As we walk around with this coat of distinction, this coat of honor, this coat of many colors it's white, it's green, it's blue, it's purple, it's red, it's yellow, gold, it's silver, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's colored white because it's white for purity, for holiness that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am not holy. As a Christian, I'm not holy. My wife will tell you I'm not holy. But, in Jesus Christ, Keegan Hall is very holy and pure. And when God looks down from heaven and I'm covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ because I received Him as my Lord and Savior, God looks down and He sees Jesus Christ and He says, oh, I'm well pleased with Him. He's in my Son. It's a colored green which speaks of earth, which speaks of the Son of Man, which speaks of Adamic nature. That's me. I'm born of Adam. It's blue. It has a color blue, and the blue speaks to heaven. I'm heavenward bound. It's purple. And purple always in the Bible represents kingship. I'm a son of a king. Jesus Christ is the king. It's purple. It's red has the color red on it. That red represents blood. Sacrifice of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that He did for me and for you for your sins. It's colored yellow gold, which speaks of deity. I have God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living in me. And it has the color silver running down. And silver speaks of purchase. Silver's purchase. Redemption. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm redeemed by God. I'm bought back. I'm bought by God. I'm owned by somebody. I'm owned by Jesus Christ. It's a coat of many colors. And, guys, if you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you walk around with this coat of many colors, man, it's like a rainbow is on you. It's a covenant. That death's been there, the flood is happening. I've made this, put this rainbow on this person, on this man or woman, and now I'm not going to bring my wrath down no more. The blood's already sacrificed. I'm done. It's paid for. Now it's nothing but beauty and holiness and purity and wonderful and deity. It's honor and distinction. Joseph walked around with that. Woo wee! Don't you know he was loved? Not one bit. (laughs) You know, when he walked around, and you know, if you're a teenager and you start getting a big head like that, what does that make you? It makes you like what you're going to see in the next verse. Look at verse 4. And when when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Joseph was a young teenager that was hated by his, by his loved ones. He was hated by his family. He was hated by the people around him. That's tough on a teenager. Us old people, we could, probably take, we could probably pull out a piece of paper and list all the people that we hate, that hate us, right? And it, this is funny. We kinda, when you get old, older, you get, and the more people you find out hate you, it kind of gets comical, doesn't it? It kind of almost is a badge of honor, you know? <laughs> they hate me. <laughs> this one hates me, too. You don't care anymore. But when you're a teenager, that stuff don't go good at all. They don't go good at all. And here's Joseph trying to walk around knowing his brother. And notice, what the Bible makes sure that you understand is, it's not a secret hate. Like when Joseph walks by with his coat of many colors, uh, hey Joseph, and as soon as he walks by, I hate you, I hate you. Look what the Bible says at the end of verse 4. They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. They not only hated him, they made sure he knew it. What do you want, Joseph? Get out of here, man. We don't want you to know. Get out of here, you little brat. Get, get, run out of here. You know that's how they talked to him? That's how we talked to our young ones, didn't we? Any of y'all have younger brothers and sisters? Boy, I treated my little sister like a dog. <laughs> and she still is holding it against me 40 years later. <laughs> I was mean. I, was, I remember one time we would, I got a soccer ball for Christmas. And I took that soccer ball, and I, I said, so, so, I didn't have nobody to play with me. I said, come outside and play, play soccer with me, sis. I don't know how to play soccer. Oh, yeah, come on out here. So we'd get out here, and I'd play soccer, and we had the different goals set up, and I'm running. Up, and, of course, I'd just run circles around her. And I'd be scoring and scoring and just having a good old time, and she'd get tired of that real quick. And she'd say, I, I want to go inside. No, 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 let's keep playing, and I figured it out. So I let her kick the ball, and I had to play really dumb and, 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 let, and let her score, you know. And I, it bothered me to no end to let her score. But I had to let her score so she would stay out there so I could score another 15 on her, you know. <laughs> just to just mistreat, you, It's in our at least it's in my nature, to mistreat the younger siblings. How much worse was it when Joseph obviously was getting the coat of many colors and walking around, and they hated him, and they said it to his face. They said it to his face. You know, Jesus Christ, He was hated without a cause. Our Lord and Savior was hated without a cause. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus Christ is hated. To this day, I don't understand why everybody, why the world, why the media hates Jesus Christ so much. What has He ever done? All All He preached was love and forgiveness. And He did wonderful works. He's hated without a cause in my mind. Maybe they could explain it to me. Verse of five. Verse five. Now let's switch gears. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. <laughs> they're going to hate him even more after this. Look what he dreamed. Look what they, they're going to hate his guts. And he said unto them, Here, this is what Joseph said. Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood around about, and made obstinance to my sheaf. In other words, bow down to my sheaf. Uh-oh, uh, that's not going to work. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. I do know how that went over. There's all your brothers that hate your guts, all ten of them, and you walk up there and you say, hey, guys, I just dreamed a dream last night, and we were out in the field, and your sheaf, it bowed down to my sheaf, and you, Don't you know that they hated that kid? <laughs> don't you know that they hated that kid? Come on, guys. If you think about your... Think of, if y'all have any young siblings... I know Carolyn does. If you had some young siblings, and they're telling you, one day I'm going to rain over you, you, just, you know, just slap them around. Get out of here. little punk, you know. You're not going to reign over us. That's why the Bible says, and it doesn't, it doesn't mince any words, they hated him yet, yet the more. Joseph tells all that he knows about his dreams, and that's a great lesson, Christian. There's a time it is better to keep your mouth shut. There's just a time, even though it's the truth, Even though it's the truth, amen. It might be the truth. It might be the the greatest truth you know sometimes. There's times it's better just to keep your mouth shut. And teenagers are the worst at that. (laughs) Teenagers, they're so wonderful when they're like seven and eight. and, And I see them. They come into this church and they're like seven and eight. And they're so wonderful and they're so pure, and they're so happy, and then they turn into teenagers, it's like, ah! they're like monsters or something like that. I'm not talking about any of y'all's grandkids, so don't get mad at me. <laughs> I know how you are about your grandkids. I have a teenager son, and I know exactly what it's like. He was loving and caring, and then he turned into a teenager, and then he, everything, everything he knew he was going to tell me, which wasn't much, right? He didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. So that's a great that's a great uh, lesson for us, and Joseph teaches us a great lesson. Christians don't act like a teenager. <laughs> so many Christians act like teenagers. They're easily offended, they know people hate them, and they're walking around pouting, and they're telling everything they know and they haven't learned to keep, sh- to keep their mouth shut. I know this isn't a, isn't a politically correct sa- thing to say in the school district t- today, but I, I I grew up when they'd tell you, shut up. Shut up. And if there's one lesson I've learned as a Christian with my, me and my big huge mouth is, I need to shut up a whole lot more. And it's a, it's a lesson that we could learn from Joseph here. He's telling the truth. <laughs> but <it's, laughs> man, you, you want somebody to hate you, that's a good way to do it right there. Look at verse 9. And he dreamed yet another dream. Uh-oh, here we go. And told it his brethren, and it said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obstinous to me. Now the sun there would be, would be uh, Jacob, and the moon there would be Rachel, and the eleven stars would be his brethren. That would include Benjamin. Made obstinous to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? So he tells his dad, and his dad don't like it either, (laughs) obviously. And his brethren hearing this, what's going on is God's given Joseph a dream, and it's a prophecy that he one day will reign. And if you know the story of Joseph, he does reign. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has prophesied the rain too. And it's going to happen. And that's prophesied in Luke chapter 1. So back up in verse 7, it said, We are binding sheaves in the field, that's the earthly rain. And then verse 9, the sun, moon, and stars, that's the heavenly rain. Jesus Christ is going to reign on this earth, He's going to reign in heaven. Jesus Christ is going to reign over everything. If you hadn't gotten it yet this morning, since you walked in this church and we started uh, started up and started preaching, Jesus Christ is everything. <laughs> and, and I can't tell you enough to get in Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know y'all very well. I don't know some of y'all at all, but, at all. But uh, if you're dealing with anything in your life, if you're dealing with uh, spiritual issues, you're dealing with any kind of issue, financial, personal, whatever. I don't know what the answer is, but I know the answer through the Word of God is Jesus Christ. I can't uh, help you, but Jesus Christ can. He is the answer. Verse 11. His brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. So, in the end, in verse 11, and this is the end of this sermon, it says his brethren envied him. Jesus Christ's reign was questioned just like Joseph's reign was reign, you know, reign, of ruling was questioned. And the brothers and the brethren of Jesus Christ, the Jews questioned Jesus Christ and envied Jesus Christ just like Joseph was envied by his brothers. And Pilate even seen it. Pilate seen it when Jesus Christ was took to Pilate to be crucified, Pilate said that he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. They were envious of Jesus Christ. They were envious of His success. They were envious of His love. They were envious of His uh, beauty. They were envious of His words. They were envious of His following. There's so much things we can be envious of. And our brothers and sisters, anybody in this church, you need to listen to me. Envy is that root sin that nobody can see on the outside, but envy can destroy you. Envy is a very, very dangerous sin because it starts out very innocent-like and it's rooted down deep in your heart and you, it'll pop up and you'll be envious of uh, maybe somebody's a little more successful than you. Maybe somebody's a little bit more beautiful than you. Maybe somebody's a little bit more uh, likable than you. Somebody's a little bit more better, uh, better athlete than you. There's, you know, it goes all the way down the list. And the first sin that was recorded as a murder in the Bible was Cain being envious of Abel. And Cain rose up in his envy and murdered Abel. It's a dangerous, dangerous sin, and we need to be careful of it. Because envy, what happens is envy leads to hate. And you need to root that out of your heart through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I I see this sin in my heart of envy, and I need to root it out. I need to stop being envious. And guys, you can't stop. You know how it is. When you get envious of somebody or jealous, it's hard to stop, right? Maybe I'm the only one in here who has trouble with that. <laughs> it's real hard to say, okay, I'm going to just stop being envious. You're going to need the power through the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ in you and give you the strength to overcome that sin, that sin of envy. So we're going to stop there with Joseph. And we'll, we'll pick this up on our next sermon. We'll stop, we'll stop there with Joseph as his brethren envied him. Now, one thing I want to say in closing about Joseph and about Jesus Christ is a real simple truth. You either love Jesus Christ or you hate Jesus Christ. You either love Joseph or you hated Joseph, and they hated him. In the Bible, you'll find out when you get to looking at the Word of God, there's no uh, gray areas. And mankind through religions try to make gray areas. They'll say, well, there's a heaven and there's a hell, and then the Catholic religion comes and says, okay, well, let's throw in purgatory. Even though there's no basis in the Bible for it, the, 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 a little middle ground. So maybe if you go down there, we can pray you up, or pr- you might have to go back down. Or they, 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 try to, they, they try to gray things up. And with God, there's no gray areas. There's heaven and there's hell. There's You're either saved or you're lost. It's either love or it's hate. You're all, God doesn't have a fence you can sit on in His eyes. There's just only one coin and it's a flip side to each coin. So as I come to you this morning in closing, I want to say, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're an enemy of God and you hate God in His eyes. There's no middle ground. You're not going uh, to the light, get up there in heaven and get, uh, get before the judgment for you, cast into hell and say, "Well, I was thinking about, I was thinking about receiving Jesus. I, I heard about Jesus Christ, but there was something I didn't understand. God's going to say it's too late. You had your chance. There's no if ands or buts with God. And I can't encourage you enough as we're about to give this invitation to receive Jesus Christ. That you're not only, this is not only an invitation to receive Jesus Christ, this is an invitation to reject Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is, is if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you come down the aisle and you, you put your hand in my hand, and you say, uh, uh, Pastor, I don't know everything, but I know I'm a sinner and I don't want to go to hell. I'll show you, I'll lead you to Jesus Christ. But if you stay back there and you say, I don't want Jesus Christ, I don't want, that's a rejection. In God's eyes. And tomorrow might never come. I just had an uncle pass away last week. I went to see him. He's laying there in his deathbed. And it looked bad, but it didn't look that bad. And it wasn't that next day that they called me So he passed away just like that. Now, y'all know my testimony. I've been around death all my life. I don't take life. Life is very precious to me. Life is very, very precious to me because we don't know how long we have. And I can't encourage you enough not to put off for tomorrow what you can do today. And not only is this an invitation to receive Jesus Christ, like I said, it's an invitation to reject Him. Because when you do nothing, you've rejected Him. And I know the Lord Jesus Christ, this book, and I've studied it for 25 years, this book is not about me. This book is not about any of y'all out there that's saved. This book is about the one lost sheep. It's not about the 99 sheep that are found. God's got me. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. He loves me, but in some sense, He loves you more if you're lost. Because He pities you. you. And He knows what you're missing out on. He knows what you're going to miss out on. And you're missing out on His love as a father. I grew up without a father. I grew up without any kind of father figure in my life. And it took me getting saved to understand what it was to have a father love me. Unconditionally. And to feel the love of the father in my heart is something I can't explain. And I can't give it to you. Only God can give that to you. But as I went through the storms of my life, and I've been through many of them. Because we talked about that at the very beginning. At the very beginning, remember I talked about suffering comes before glories. I've gone through all these storms I've never thought that God has let me down. I've prayed and asked the Lord to help me, but I've never thought, God, why have you let me down? I've prayed and said, God, would you please forgive me for what's happened to me? Lord, I know why you're doing this to me. Lord, will you let, it, let me let me out of this punishment? You know? But I've never thought he left let me down. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know God as your Father, I, I really feel sorry for you. And God feels sorry for you too. And if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, Jesus isn't standing behind me right now. Jesus is standing behind you. And he's got his hand on your shoulder through the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, I love you. Won't you take me as your Lord and Savior? I can't encourage you enough. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And once you do it, you'll never, ever, ever look back. You'll never look at the best decision you can make. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we're about to come to invitation, Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit will move among us. Father, I know you're working on some people's hearts this morning, Father, and I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. And Father, I, I just simply want to thank you for allowing me to call you Father. I'm just a no-good sinner, Lord God. I'm, I'm wretched. I'm just a high school dropout, Father. I'm no good. I, I can't think of anything that's good about me. I have a big mouth. I, I have an envious heart, Lord. I, I, I sin. But, Father, through your grace and mercy, you allow me to be your son, and you want me to call you Father. And, Lord, I thank you for your correcting hand. Father, I thank you for loving me and showing me grace in my life. Lord, I thank you for these people, Lord God, that have come into your church to hear your word, Lord. And, Father, I pray they didn't hear me, they heard you. And, Father, I just pray that as we, we thought about this story of Joseph and we thought about how Joseph lived, Lord God, Father, I just pray that Jesus Christ came to the forefront. And Father, I want to thank you for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And Father, I want to, I want to pray this morning, Lord, as we give this invitation, as we sing these songs, Lord, that as, as if there's anybody, Lord, underneath the sound of my voice, Lord, that needs to make a decision for you, Father, that they'll come on down the aisle, Lord God, and you'll make that, we'll, they'll make that decision. And Father, I want to thank you for what you do in our lives. In Jesus Christ's holy name, I pray. Amen. upon him